I figured I, I would be a, a rock star someday, right? So I, I was just I had all my eggs in that basket and was working hard on you know playing in a band and managing the music store to, to make money to support your music outside of work. That's Nick Staffa. He actually did become a rock star, but not the kind with a guitar on stage. Nick Staffa, a kid from Long Island of Italian heritage, would become a rock star language teacher with a reputation that would spread well beyond the United States. I'm Steve Levine, host of America the Bilingual. And I'm Becky Rankin, associate producer of America the Bilingual. So Nick has a surprising story, which we're going to share. That's right. And it fits into a larger story we've been talking about, which includes the shortage of language teachers, and that hinders our chances of becoming a majority bilingual nation. But first, let's welcome everyone to America the Bilingual. The podcast for those who think bilingualism is good for themselves, their families, and their country. So Becky, you're a star teacher yourself. Tell us what you <laughs> tell us what you do. Well, I laugh when people ask me what my job is. My nine to five is really a six to four. Um, I'm a teacher in Lexington High School. I teach French. I also run the longest running exchange in Massachusetts between the town of Lexington and our sister city Antony outside of Paris. Um, I mentor and coach teachers inside and outside of my school. I serve on a few boards for world language educators, and of course, I love my work with you, Steve, uh, promoting bilingualism here in the United States. Well, igualmente, equally for me, Becky. So tell us more about this shortage or coming shortage of world language teachers. Right. So for many years, there's been an increasing demand for world language teachers across the United States, and it's documented every year that we need many more world language teachers. There's a shortage of teachers going into the profession, and with fewer teachers entering teacher prep programs, some of the teacher prep programs have been cut. And then additionally, attrition uh, tends to be pretty high in world language teachers because we're often asked to teach multiple languages to large classes and sometimes in many schools. Multiple languages, you mean you might be asked to teach Spanish, even though you're a French teacher? Absolutely. I was in a professional development last weekend with 21 French teachers, and 20 of them, I was the only exception, taught French and Spanish. Wow. Right. World language is also considered to be an elective in many schools, so there's less administrative support, kind of like you would have in physical education or art. It's sort of cast by the wayside. Well, we'll get back with our associate producer, Becky Rankin, later in this episode, but let's get to Nick's story. I caught up with Nick when he was on summer vacation, visiting his parents on Long Island, and as I usually do, asked him to tell me his language biography. Because of his Italian heritage, he told me, he elected to take Italian in high school. Uh, after high school, I, you know, I kept up with it a little bit on my own time, but really nothing much. And you know, I, you just life gets in the way, and you don't have anybody to speak it with, and it kind of just stalls out, I guess. Instead of going to college after high school, Nick devoted himself to his music, managing a music store, giving guitar lessons, and playing in his band. But of course, there aren't many Bruce Springsteens. I decided uh, that. I needed to go back to school and, and get a degree in something. 
because I, I just kind of felt unfulfilled, I guess you could say. So I decided to uh, go back to a local community college uh, here on Long Island, Suffolk County Community College. And uh, it was there that I started to study some, some language classes. Just It was a sheer requirement at the time. The school told Nick it had been too many years since his high school Italian. He wouldn't get any credit for it. He had to start over. And I, I asked them what they had, and they were very excited to tell me at the time that they were offering Chinese for the first time. And uh, they, they didn't really have many people signed up for the course. So they were trying to kind of rope people in to, to try. So I, I thought it was interesting, so I gave it a shot. Ni hao is hello. Uh, goodbye is zai jian. It was a very, very basic course, I have to admit now at this point, you know, in hindsight looking back. Uh, but I did well in the course at that level, and then uh, so I got an A for two semesters, and you know I could say very, very basic things. Since Nick did well in community college, he decided to continue. I wanted to go for the four-year degree, so I decided to uh, shift over to Stony Brook University on Long Island, uh, and I figured to get my language sequence finished and to be able to graduate, I might as well continue with Chinese. You know, after all, I was good at it. Nick signed up for intermediate Chinese at Stony Brook but he was in store for a shock. It was one of those things where I would come into class and I'd see a couple of classmates in the hallway and tell them, oh boy, you know, that homework last night was a real killer. You know, it took me a couple of hours to finish it. And then they're kind of scribbling it in and finishing it five minutes before class in the hallway. So it was uh, one of those things where for me to, to get the same kind of grades, I had to put in uh, exponentially more time than they did. So what happened? I bombed out. <laughs> it was a whole nother ball game. It was almost like going from, you know, like uh, the minor leagues to the major leagues. One major difference was that almost everybody in the class was a, a native Chinese speaking kid and they were taking it to try to kind of boost their GPAs at the school. I felt it was kind of unfair, but at the same time, it was a it was a really good challenge because it really, you know, I'm one of those kind of people I, I don't really give up very easily. So Nick made a fateful appointment with his teacher. So I decided to have a, just a meeting with my teacher to discuss with her the fact that I was struggling in the class. Not a whole lot of students transfer from community college to us, number one. Number two, I personally do not meet many students who are transfers from community colleges to take the kind of courses that I teach. My name is Agnes, last name is He. And I am a professor of applied linguistics and Asian studies at Stony Brook University. Agnes told me his Chinese wasn't good enough for the intermediate class. She recommended that he drop the class, but she recognized something in Nick that made her want to help him. He wanted to continue Chinese language, but we did not have a, an appropriate level for him to do the language course. So I created an independent study course with him when he would just come and to do individual pro language projects. So in all of the work that he did with me, he just struck me as a most unusual student who's most curious and passionate about languages and cultures in general. And Agnes arranged a private tutor for Nick. And the school actually had a graduate program uh, for graduate students that could tutor undergrads. So I, I hooked up with a grad student for an entire year, and I met with her a couple of days a week and had some private lessons to catch up and try to get up to speed with where I would need to be for that class to take it the following fall. Agnes made a strong impression on Nick, too. Uh, she just she was just such a caring teacher, and she knew 
the potential I had. And she knew that it was something that I would be good at and would be successful and, and would probably change my life. So she stuck with me through any sort of advice I needed and, and really pushed me along. The next fall, Nick signed up again for that intermediate class he had bombed out of. So I went right back into that same course and determined not to have the same result. And by the end of the semester, with a lot of work, I ended up with an A in the class. And after that, I was obviously the fire was lit and I was really hot to uh, to continue. So I took the second level, the next course with Dr. Hu again. He was definitely a star student. In fact, during the graduation commencement, he was the one who carried our department banner representing our department. At the end, I actually ended up being the Asian and Asian American Studies undergrad with the highest standing. So I was able to bear the flag at commencement and everything. So it was a pretty triumphant day. (laughs) Although it was a triumphant day, Nick knew his Chinese was still limited. There was so much I didn't know, and then I could start to finally have some meaningful conversations with people and and be able to discuss some very basic things. I decided that if I really wanted to get better uh, and get to the point where I wanted to be, I would probably have to travel abroad. But that wasn't easy. But there was a few government programs and things available, and I applied for them, and I was, for some reason, was denied and didn't make it. But then there was an act of God. In 2008, I don't know if you recall, there was a pretty devastating earthquake in Sichuan province in China. The SUNY system in New York decided to uh, start a program called China 150, and they actually took... 150 students from China, from Sichuan, from that area that had no school to go to anymore. Their college was just rubble. So they took 150 students from China and brought them to New York State for a free education. So to reciprocate for that, uh, China started a program that they would take 30 students in total to go over to China in Sichuan over there and, and study. So I applied for that and they accepted me. As is often the case, the opportunity to be immersed was transformative and the classes were not the biggest part. I'll admit I cut class a lot to spend more time actually in a more of a real environment. And I learned so much and by the end of that experience, it was one of those things where finally a door opened or something just clicked in my brain where the language started to make a lot more sense. We've heard these kinds of descriptions in other episodes, that magic moment like Dorothy waking up in Oz and everything is in color. It seemed to happen after several months of immersion for Nick. It was exhilarating. (laughs) Suddenly I was, you know, I was able to to get by in a language that, you know, is spoken by 1.4 billion people worldwide. And I figured that was, you know, 1.4 billion more friends I could make (laughs) and, and doors that could open. And something else clicked during that time in China. I ran into a, a cute girl in the dorm uh, and started talking to her and made good friends with her. And I didn't know if she was Chinese or, or where she was from, but we were in this language study program. So, you know, I started speaking to her in uh, Chinese and we were actually kind of joking about the, the, the firmness of the beds in the dormitories and how we were, you know, bruising just by sleeping. So we were started talking and when I asked her where she was from, she said she was from the U.S. Turns out this girl had been adopted from China by an American couple in Tennessee. Her name was Madison. Here we are many years later and we're, we're married <laughs> and have a beautiful son. So I actually met my wife on that same trip and it was through Chinese that the, the whole thing came about.
When Nick returned from China, Agnes, as professor at Stony Brook, had plans for her star student. I wrote a very strong letter for him to apply to a Columbia doctoral program in East Asian studies. But at this point, Nick was beginning to feel the pull in another direction. He came back and he said that he wanted to do something directly useful when he could, instead of going to graduate school, against my advice. But he has a very uh, uh, urgent sort of uh, goal to do something very concrete to help the world. It's almost unstoppable. His future wife, Madison, was still in college in Memphis. After a little while, I decided to, to pick up and move down to Tennessee as I had graduated already from Stony Brook. And she still had a year left at uh, the University of Memphis down in Tennessee. So I decided to bite the bullet and move down to be with her there in Memphis. So he left for Tennessee. In Memphis, Nick starts working for a music store again, not sure what he's going to be doing. But for the first time, he thinks he might like to be a school teacher. And just by chance of luck down there in Tennessee, there was a program called the Memphis Teaching Fellows, similar to like a Teach for America type of idea where you can uh, go through their coursework and that would lead to a teaching degree. Nick got one of the fellowships. At the time, I didn't know if there would be anything for teaching Chinese and didn't think I would even be qualified to teach Chinese. I just wanted to become a teacher in possibly elementary or middle school, you know, a regular homeroom teacher. But he got a phone call from the Memphis City School District. So they put me on the spot right there and they said, do you want to teach middle school or do you want to teach uh, Chinese? So I just covered the receiver with my hand and turned to my uh, fiancé at the time and asked her what she thought. And uh, she said, you love Chinese and you've had such a good experience with it. Why don't you just go for it? Do whatever it takes. You can do it. So I told him, well, I'm going to go for Chinese. Then came more tests, including a test of his Chinese from ACTFL. The American Council for the Teaching of Foreign Languages. He prepared for the exam, worked hard, and had a job offer waiting for him. All he had to do was pass the exam at the advanced level. I went off onto my summer break to visit my mom and got the results in my email a few weeks later and was jumping for joy because I, I had passed and uh, was, was going to be teaching the, the following year. And now Nick Staffa is teaching Chinese in Tennessee. I really had no idea what I was doing. I was just studying and trying to learn as much as I could about what it what it's like to be a teacher and to also stay advancing in my own language skills. And it was hard. It was a major, major challenge. Some grant money was important. So we were lucky enough that the school system had a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that supplied funding to get some really, really good training for the teachers. I was highly supported in by consultants that we had that were coming into the district, primarily two that stand out amongst everybody and who are still great friends, Dr. Helena Curtin and also Greg Duncan, who uh, also does a lot of uh, uh, different mentoring of programs. And both of them work internationally as well as in the States. All right, here we go. Okay. So I went to a Massachusetts academy where Greg Duncan was teaching. That's Becky Rankin, associate producer of America the Bilingual. I asked him about Nick. Here's Greg. I was at his school many times to watch him teach um, and to interact with, with him, give him feedback, that sort of thing. So that's how I actually got to come in contact with him and uh, to initially know him. Then I asked him what are some of Nick's characteristics that stand out. 
Nick Sparkles. So he's this good-looking Italian heritage, uh, compact kind of guy. Uh, and when he smiles, his whole face smiles. He's just He just lights up. And that's an indication of who he is as an individual. He is just this remarkable human being who is full of life and who's full of promise. And then when you put him into the classroom, that's when the magic really happens because he is a magnet to these kids. I, I call him a Pied Piper. We put together a really special song to take all of the units of increase, put all different things that they've learned. He, whatever he does, they want to do. And he, he just knows what works with kids. Interestingly enough, in work that we can talk about that happened later, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to see Nick beyond elementary school, and the same magic was there. is just an incredibly unique, gifted, but also very studied language professional. So I don't want to I don't want to paint him as though he inherited all this skill. He inherited a lot of it. But he works hard for uh, the effective characteristics that he brings to the classroom beyond intuition. Greg Duncan was more important than Nick could know at the time. Yes, because as is the case all too often, the school district where Nick worked planned cutbacks in their language programs. This is what Nick told me. I spent time in that last year there at board meetings, speaking to the panel and speaking to the uh, superintendents and all those people. And you know, we tried our best to, to save the program. The program was cut anyway. Nick was going to lose his job. But Greg Duncan had been so impressed with Nick, he opened a window of opportunity for him. Here's Nick. He also does uh, consulting for Seoul Foreign School in Seoul, South Korea. And they, at the time, had no Chinese program, but they were looking to start it. And uh, they had asked him, you know, do you happen to know of anybody that might have uh, a skill set that would be able to help us to... Uh, get the program started. So he recommended me. He said, sure, I know a guy named Nick in Memphis, Tennessee. So Nick Staffa, who came up through America's public schools and colleges to become a star teacher, left the U.S. to pursue a better opportunity overseas. The school in Korea offered Nick's wife, Madison, a job too. Here's what Nick told me. The job in Korea did pay more uh, than the States. So uh, that was was a factor. It was just, you know, the allure of being able to go abroad, to be an expat, to just see the world, and to also be able to use the skills that I had built up over the three years in Memphis. After a successful stint in Seoul, Nick got more offers. Here's what Greg Duncan had to say about that. Nick is a rising star, and Nick captures the attention of people very quickly and becomes very highly sought. So another school recruited Nick, um, and he decided it was an opportunity that he and Madison should not turn down. So they went to Hong Kong and spent two years there, and now they've moved yet again to Taiwan. Greg told me it's not unusual for American teachers who go abroad to stay abroad. And that's principally for um, I hate to say financial reasons, it's, it's more for comfort reasons, which is a result of the finances. If you are in top tier international schools, salaries are good and benefits are very good. 
So it's not unusual that these teachers would, would receive housing and it's very generous the housing offers. They simply may not come back home until they retire and they still may not come home then. Here's Nick. I think uh, a lot of it kind of comes down to it's just some basic cultural differences. Like for instance, in Korea, it was it was very very nice to be a teacher there. Just besides the salary being great, it was a highly respected position. An educator, a teacher, is a highly respected person in the society that you're really molding the next generation. And Becky, what Nick says next may be familiar to you. Whereas in uh, in the U.S., a lot of times teachers get a lot of slack and they're the butt of jokes that, you know, oh, you get every holiday off and you get the weekends off and the summer off and you guys, you know, don't do a thing. And uh, there's just a, such a, a, a wrong view of what teachers do and how hard they work in the U.S. And uh, I think that's something that's fundamentally wrong with our thinking about uh, about teachers here in the States versus the high regard they're held in in other places in the world, particularly Asia. Nick is spot on. People rave about Finland's education, and one of the big reasons their school system scores so high in international rankings is attributed to the respect and compensation for teachers. One of the hardest parts of my job is responding kindly to parents who think they know better than me how to teach and assess French. I also talked to Nick's professor, Agnes, for her perspective on losing such a talent who could be teaching kids in America. It's very sad. It's very sad. We don't have the support system that the teachers and the kids and the students deserve for foreign language education, period. But Agnes also offered a larger perspective about her former flag bearer. It's a loss for our country, but he also represented he also represents the U.S. in a splendid way. I asked Nick when he plans on coming back to the U.S. I am very, very proud to be an American, but at the same time, with what I do, I feel I'm more suited to be overseas doing it. And I have just made so many friends and just broadened my just perspective of the world and made friends all over the place that I wouldn't have been able to do just uh, teaching in a classroom in the U.S., so it's something that I'd like to continue doing. And may, maybe when I'm old and gray and can't do it anymore, I'll head back to the U.S. The America the Bilingual podcast is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFUL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing, and our associate producer, Becky Rankin. Our brand and editorial director is Mim Harrison. Editorial consultant is Maya Thomas. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Music in this episode with a Creative Commons attribution license by Kevin McLeod, Francisco Panilla, Lee Roseberry, and a special thanks to Nick Staffa himself, who kindly provided the music that we're listening to right now. The name of the song is Down from Nick's rock project, 88 Down. Go to americathebilingual.com for photos and bonus material relating to this and other episodes. And if you like this podcast, please share with your friends, give us a review on iTunes, and help us spread the bilingual word. 
Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine. Oh